here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. I'm sorry, sir, but this is for another gentleman. Table 26. That's right. My mistake. You know what table that is? I saw the layout when we came in. Do you remember everything you see? No, not everything. What's the soup of the day? Red lentil and mint with sautéed onions and diced tomatoes. The woman sitting two tables behind you. What you wearing? With the red hair and silk dress facing you? Yeah. That's not a woman. What color underwear am I wearing? You're not wearing any underwear. Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, where it's time to do you dare sign the contract to look for the good in video game films. Sometimes that contract is harder than others, sometimes near impossible. Hint, hint. I am Nick Moore, with me are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Wayne. Yeah, these are the days I regret signing up for this. But hi, thanks for having me. Oh, Mark. Hey, I'm. Uh, I I got things to say. Let's 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 get into it. So, where we last left off, we weren't sure at first which Hitman movie we were going to watch, and we all decided to watch <laughs> Timothy Elephant's film rather than Dude Who I Don't Know. And the elephant in the room is whether or not this movie has anything good to say. Uh, for once, I'm going to go first. I don't like this movie. <laughs> I'm going to struggle. <laughs> I felt personally attacked by this film because I like the Hitman games and I was struggling to find anything that kept me interested, let alone things I liked. There's a few things I'll touch on them. There's a couple of small moments that made me happy. But for a movie, it's an hour and a half. It was hard for me to get through. This is one of the worst ones I've watched, in my opinion. Anyway, Wayne, how about you? I've never played the Hitman games, unfortunately. I don't know why. They're really good. So, yeah, I've heard good things about them, just for some reason haven't made my list yet. Uh, so I have to go into this just taking it as a film. And if um, I feel like this is one of those films where, you know, two buddies were just having a few drinks, writing a story in a couple hours, and kept saying, hey, it'll be a cool idea, and they just wrote that down next. <laughs> Even if it had nothing to do with the scene before. If it had nothing to do with the scene before, it doesn't matter because it's cool. So they just wrote down what happened next and then glued it all together. I agree. This is probably one of the worst films we watched. Ironically, not the worst film we watched, but no. it was a slog to get through. There's so many questions. Even in a fight scene, even in a fight scene, I have questions. I'm like, what? Huh? This oh. makes no sense. It was poorly acted, poorly written. It's it's tough to find good in this. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess I I, I'm with you, Nick. It off. When I got to, like, the third fight scene in, I nearly turned it off. But anyway, Mark! <laughs> All right, so... Save us. I might be the only person who 
I can't say enjoyed this film, <laughs> but probably enjoyed it more than you guys. Because Wayne leaves. I've, I've seen this before. <laughs> I I've seen this before, and oh I remember it being worse. It's your second time. Than what? Than oh. my second viewing here, and. I'm bothered by the movie in several aspects, but what I realized, which started to make me enjoy parts of the movie was for me, it suffers from, it takes itself too seriously sometimes. Oh yeah. And then in the very next moment, it's the silliest thing you've ever seen. (laughs) And had it picked any direction, maybe the movie could have been saved. And I started to enjoy the silly moments as I was actually kind of enjoying it. If it's just stupid, campy, silly, you know what? I can watch a movie like that. When it tries to take itself too seriously is when it really actually drags down any momentum it's almost trying to build. Because when it's goofy, you know what? It's at least got something going for it in being goofy and funny and kind of over the top in an excessive way. And so I kind of started to enjoy that. And then they would do something stupid, like say, like, we're the most secret clandestine organization that no one's ever heard from no one knows we exist but you're hired out all the time i don't understand uh, are the so, games goofy or serious so no they're serious ish the games actually walk a fine line because on the one hand they're presented as serious the world you're in is serious mm-hmm. you're this hitman where yeah fine they're i guess slightly conditioned modified whatever you want to call it but you're this no-nonsense hitman sent out to destroy all these people. But what's silly about it is how creative you can be about the way you kill people. Mm -hmm. It's not a stealth action Mm -hmm. in the sense of, I mean, you can just sneak up on people and shoot them or strangle them or what have you. But for example, you have to kill like a, a mafia boss and you can just bust into the restaurant and shoot everybody. Or you could sneak in the back, kill the cook, poison the food, watch them all die from eating it, and walk out the back, and no one even realizes you were there. You have a lot of leeway for how you're going to do it. Cool. And it's silly, because no matter who you kill and take their costume, you can still see the barcode on the back of the assassin's neck. Yes. No one notices it. Like in the movie. Like in the movie. Yeah. So... It works in a video game because video games, you kind of roll with the punches, I think, a little bit more than a film. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. It's one of the few things I enjoyed about this movie was when he would knock someone out or kill someone and steal their costume, their uniform to infiltrate a place. But he still still clearly has this barcode on the back of his head. He stands out so bad. Yeah. No matter who he kills, their uniform fits him perfectly now when he puts it on. That's the kind of stuff from the game that I didn't mind. I was like, all right, cool, you're going for Goofy. But then the rest of the film, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there, there's one <laughs> outfit he ends up in. They don't even show you how he gets it. He just is like, wait here. And the next oh, yeah. time you see him, he's in a full uniform. <laughs> and again, from the Goofy side, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I genuinely enjoyed it because I was like, that made no sense and it was even funnier because at the time in the movie they're looking for a shaved head man and there's only one other shaved head man he didn't even put on a wig nope and so the shaved head man with the tattooed barcode and the irony that there's one other shaved head man with a tattooed barcode actively chasing him 
It's which again, ridiculous, silly. I wouldn't say actively chasing him, passively so, chasing. Him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try sure. to quickly recap the plot enough that we can just jump around to whatever is good. It'd be the same as watching the film anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's about a bunch of apparently genetically modified and conditioned assassins. They all seem to be men. They all have their heads shaved from the point of like children and never get to grow hair ever again. I'm assuming that they just can't grow hair. They all barcodes tattooed on the back of their necks. Even though they're supposed to be assassins infiltrating places, you've made them really easy to spot. And for reasons that even after the, watching the film, I don't quite understand the target he's supposed to kill. I understand that he has a body double and the body double really is the one who hires him so that he can kill this diplomat and the body double can take over. I get that. Why I don't get is why the organization that loans him out seems to also turn on him the second that this goes sideways and they're all chasing him rather than being mad at the guy doing all the double crossing and shenanigans. Yeah, they never I, explained that. I don't understand why his organization turns on him so quickly and sends, as far as I can tell, all of their assassins to kill him throughout the rest of the movie. I don't get it. It's weird. And for me, deviating from the games, it's one of the, the deeper flaws because, like, part of what makes him him is he's got, you know, the, the person on comms, the person giving him intel, yeah. the, the, the people to provide him with resources. Like, I started laughing again. When the movie is silly and I'm having a chuckle, he jumps out of the he jumps out of the hotel eventually into water. He's soaking wet. He's walking the streets, soaking wet. He walks into oh yes a suit shop. Yeah. I'm not sure if he paid for the suit or murdered everyone in there to take it because again, <laughs> it's a quick shot and it gives you the classic. Now he's in the video game look. Mm -hmm. Yes. With the red tie and the white shirt. But there and after, he starts pulling weapons out. He pulls out two swords. I was like, he didn't go out the window with those. <laughs> Where did he get those yeah. from? <laughs> so on the one hand, I like that when he goes to the hotel and he's preparing to do this assassination job of this diplomat, he's really careful about the hotel that he's in. He sets up explosives mm -hmm. on the door so if someone tries to bust in and murder him, it will kill them. He like sets up this whole like rope rig on the window so he has a way to get out and escape. I like that stuff. It shows that he plans ahead. But like you said, he jumps out of there half naked because he comes out of the shower just wearing a towel. Mm. Where were the swords? Was it a shop that sold suits yeah. and swords? Was it's it possible. like a John Wick <laughs> kind of place? Very possible. <laughs> it's really weird. Oh, I love it. Yeah, maybe. I, it's inexplicable. I don't know. And the other and it's funny, the jump out the be... window into the water isn't that bad. So, like, no. these guys who have been chasing him, no. they're willing to do everything except jump yeah. out of a window into water. As soon as he's in the water, they and give it's up. Like it's, he's only yeah. jumping into water. It's, it's not like he did some impossible jump that's like, oh, Christ, he got lucky on that. Yeah, he just jumps into the local river. He jumped into water. And where's everybody downstairs waiting? Can't they just run over the river and... <laughs> Well, like, well uh, it's Interpol chasing him at that moment, and I'm like, right, so mobilize the city's police to watch the banks of the... Okay, nope, nope, you can just get out of the water. Okay. Well, cool. he probably <laughs> killed a dolphin and then took its <laughs> suit yes. and came out looking oh, like a dolphin with a barcode on the back of its blowhole, and they didn't catch him. I'm going to get the theory. director's cut yeah. on Blu-ray. Blu so I'm going to back up and cut the film a little bit of slack, a little bit. 
because looking into the behind mm. the scenes, because I was trying to figure out why this went so sideways, the original mm. director, who is still credited as the director, Xavier Jens, apparently was removed from his directing and editing duties halfway through, and Fox brought in other people to reshoot and re-edit this film, so it's a mess of two groups of people working on it. But they didn't change it enough mm. to take his name off of it. The guy had only done music videos before this, and he hasn't done much since, so I think... The movie soured his experience on making movies. Actually, when you look at the movie as a music video, it, it's actually better. It makes more <laughs> sense that way. It would be. It would be. And again, if we're going to touch on positives, the parts of the film I enjoyed are when he does the sillier hitman things. The first time you yes. really experience Agent 47 doing his thing is when a bunch of, I think, gun runners in some country, they... Mm get this one guy who they think is a traitor and bring him in because they're going to beat him and kill him and get information out of him. And he can't talk. And they can't figure out why he can't speak. And then the guys who brought him in say to the leader, well, no, no, when he was handed to us, that's who he's like. He's like, what do you mean when he was handed to you? You didn't find him? No, 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 he's delivered to us. And then you find out that he has plastique, like plastic explosives, shoved down his throat and he explodes on all of them because Agent 47 shoved a throat bomb in him. Yeah. That is the yes. kind of thing you would do in the game, and I yeah. kind of dig that. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that was good. And they needed to do more things like that because that stuff was fine. But when you had Agent Forty Seven actually fight, I almost got a seizure watching these fight scenes. There That's was insane. so much cutting and editing and re-editing, mm-hmm. and it looked like it was pasted together from several other films. I can't see. I feel like Taken looks better. <laughs> like it was <laughs> really bad. So. It kind of leads me to one of my mixed bag complaints and things I like about the movie, which is Timothy Oliphant. Oh. Timothy Oliphant is deeply miscast in this movie yep. because he is generally a pretty charismatic, fun, funny actor. And playing the stone cold, stoic, barely talks assassin, no fun. But every now and then, his charisma would slip through in a scene, usually in banter between him and another character. And you'd be like, ah, there's Timothy Oliphant. You were like, oh, he's age 47 again. And now the scene sucks. So like it would, he's just so poorly cast, not because he's terrible. He's almost too good for this. Yeah. This is the worst miscasting of any film we've seen so far for Mm -hmm. a couple of reasons. One, Mm -hmm. Timothy Oliphant can't help, but have his charisma come through. He just can't help. Yes. He's a charismatic man. No. And it keeps coming out. The -hmm. character of Agent 47 is not a highly charismatic character. He's not. (laughs) Zero charisma. The closest I can equate to him, it's more like your Frank Castle Punisher kind of character where he's not charismatic. The colorful and charismatic characters are around him. And he's the stoic, stone-cold force of death coming through. Mm -hmm. Halfway through this film, I looked at Corinne and I just said, Vinnie Jones. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, Vinnie Jones should be playing Agent 47. (laughs) Especially back in 2007 when this came out. He would have been perfect. And if you couldn't get him, get Ray Stevenson. Either of them would have been (laughs) an amazing choice for this. And the choices mm-hmm. that were offered before this, Vin Diesel was going to play him. That's why he's an executive producer on this film. Or Jim Carrey. But decided not to. No. <laughs> or Jim Carrey. That would be a different thing altogether. And they offered it, not surprisingly, the Jason Statham, but he passed on it. 
But Vinnie Jones, man. Statham also would have been pretty perfect. I don't know. Statham's charismatic as well, too, in a different way. I don't he know. He is. I, yeah. I, if, the, if the character's just supposed to be cold, calm, it, it, mm-hmm. there's certain actors that just it doesn't suit them. Statham would have been better. It's a waste. It's a waste of having those. It players. is a waste. But I'm of the yeah. mind, Ray Stevenson and Vinnie Jones, choose one of them, and yeah. it would have been way better. But poor it's Timothy Ray, Oliphant is wasted on this. Ray Stevenson, who played the Punisher, that guy? Yeah. yeah. And that's why he yeah. springs to mind. Yeah, he he played that version yeah. of Frank Castle. Yeah, he's pretty Where good. everyone around him is hilarious, and he's just a stone-cold straight man, and it works as a result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that would have helped it. Support Timothy Oliphant. Uh, he's a good actor. He is oh, like not him. good in this movie. <laughs> yeah. No. It's terrible. The delivery of the lines. Yeah, is- and he's given bad li- lines to deliver. <laughs> right. Whereas on the opposite end of it, Dougry Scott, who plays the Interpol agent that is chasing him throughout this, right. is hands down the saving grace of this movie for me. I really enjoyed Dougry Scott's performance. He's in a completely different movie than the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that because I think every scene with him is when the movie is justifiably serious. Yeah. And, and it... His movie would make sense if the other movie wasn't happening in his movie. Well, what's baffling is <laughs> even in the scenes where he shares the screen with Agent 47, he feels like he's in a different mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And it's a better movie. <laughs> well, yes, it's, that's the thing. It's, because and by the again, way, he's not in a lot of scenes. Absolutely. No. <laughs> no. He's in three scenes with him in the entire film. Yeah, the beginning. And then other than that, <laughs> he has his own subplot where he's dealing with corrupt Russian officials and desperately wanting to have one cigarette, but he can never get a cigarette through the entire thing and bucking the system. And I like his story. So the cigarette thing, I don't know why that was a tick throughout the movie, because there are moments when he's allowed to smoke it. He takes it out. He puts it in his mouth. He talks to someone. He puts it away. Like no one stops him. He just (laughs) isn't smoking. It's almost like they said to him, hey, we need your character to smoke in this seat. And he was like, I'm actually really against smoking. So how about I just hold the cigarette in my lips for a second and then put it away? And they're like, that sounds good. Like, like it's a thing. Possible. I don't Maybe. think he smokes once. He doesn't smoke once in the entire movie. He does not. He it's, absolutely does he not. He does not. So it's, it's a weird scene, running gag. It's a weird running gag. In every scene, he has a cigarette. Unless, an, unless it's an action scene. I don't know if that's his idea or the script, but you know what? I like it. It gave me something to focus on. I like Dougie Scott, uh, and I like his like sidekick, partner, whatever you have. The two of them, I enjoyed oh, their yeah. movie, and I wish it was more about them. <laughs> yeah. It should have been called Chasing Hitman, and it was about those two, and you barely see Hitman. You just see what he's doing. That would have been better for me. I feel like the second Hitman movie is a little bit like the Hitman is this force of nature happening, but I would agree this would have made that would have made this movie a bit more bearable. But in talking about those two, the one silliest thing, silliest thing that happens is when they encounter the Hitman, his partner encounters him, and he just grabs him, he shoots him in the elbow. Oh yeah. Just straight up shoots a guy in the elbow. He's at work the next day. Oh yeah, like he has no time off work. Like he's barely in the hospital. Like I'm pretty sure the EMS bandages him up, and then he just went home, got changed, and went back to work. Walk it off, man! Walk it off. The oh, silliest thing for me, I was and, and unless dying. I fell asleep, you can explain it or fill in the gaps. Probably not. 
the the fu- the fight scene that takes place in the sub in the subway. Oh, the, the train fight. Subway. The train fight. Whatever. <laughs> I did I miss something yeah. here? So he goes into the subway. <laughs> then these other hitmen come in, but they're yeah. all aiming guns at each other. So so yeah. there's four people. So you're basically standing in a square. Each corner is yes pointing an L at okay. the other square. Which means there's one guy not even pointing a gun at Agent 47, right? They're all pointing at each other. So and I was fight, equally confused by that. Then they agree, let's put the guns down and fight with swords. So they magically pull out the swords. And then the three of yes. them are there to kill Agent 47 is the way it looks like. So it's like, wait a minute. Why are you all pointing guns at each other if you're there to kill him? Did I miss something there? Nope. You did not miss <laughs> okay, anything. No. We, have the we same look at each question. other like, what is is going on here? Yeah. They were all just about to shoot each other. Yeah. Now they they're actually here to kill him. So it so made sense to me other, when it's people. just Agent Forty Seven and one hitman shows up and they pull guns at each other. Oh yeah, yeah. and then the other one totally. shows up and I was like, oh, maybe they're all competing for yeah, like, I don't know reward? an item or something. Yeah, but then when they all show up and Agent Forty Seven suggests let's do this like gentlemen or proper assassins or whatever it is, and they'll pull out swords. They yeah. all only let's attack die. 47. I think he says let's die with some But there's literally honor. one guy who never even had his gun on 47 yeah. <laughs> in it's, that standoff. I it feel was, like the standoff only exists because it looks cool. It that's doesn't it. They, matter on at paper, all. paper, they're like four guys You're standing right. off. That looks amazing. Oh, yeah, but they're here to kill him. So let's just get back to the fight. <laughs> it's really confusing. But I have no idea what the going My on. favorite part is, for reasons unknown... They three musketeers and all have to cross their swords in the middle before they yeah. start their sword fight. Well, it makes me wonder. <laughs> Again, at the very hilarious. Be- at the very beginning of this, you see them all as children being trained as assassins. Which, uh, fun side note, that is actually footage from the TV series Dark Angel uh, from the early two thousands that oh, they just stole to throw at the front of this when they're re-editing it. That's funny. <laughs> but anyway, wow. So wow. you have them all being trained at this place. I'm assuming. That was something that they were all taught. Is if you're all going to fight, this is the way to do it. <laughs> I'm assuming. I think they should have showed stuff like that. Show well, that you know, you if you're like, kids trying to climb the fence and getting shot, and all the other like male version of Black Widow stuff. That they were I think doing. it would have been cool to learn that though. If at the beginning during some training they were like, if for some reason you ever have to hunt another agent, you still have rules and respect. You mean the way before. that John Wick actually lays out rules? Yeah, that would have been nice. Cool. I know, but this this was before John Wick, so... Yeah, before script writing, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, if someone said Ed Wood wrote this, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So, (laughs) I genuinely appreciate that in this movie, you're looking for reason for anything they did. Oh, my God. Again, that's the problem with this movie. This scene exists in a movie where just moments before... Very intelligently, Interpol is like, okay, you know what? If he had to get out of here, I think he's actually going to head deeper into the city because I know him so well because I've been chasing him for years. So he makes a reasonable deduction and arrives at the train station. The movie is making sense. And then let me steal this magic (laughs) police uniform. Don't care how I got it. I have it now. (laughs) Now I'm going to fight. With swords. It has moments that are clever. Like how he hides his guns in the hotel, I thought was kind of neat. Hiding it in the ice machine, no one's going to look in there. And it was cool filmmaking to be like, why is he using the ice machine? And then when they come chasing after him with those cool looking tactical guys, that's where his weapons are. I was like, okay, 
I like that he's not just laid out his room, but the hotel he's laid it out in case he gets attacked. I was cool with that. So inside the ice machine, That's I right. thought was silly. <laughs> Only because you're taking a gamble that no person, child, or hotel employee gets ice and is like, why is there a gun in here? Like, it's just such a – if you put it behind the ice machine, I'd have been like, yeah, man, who's checking behind ice machines? But the, no, the irony no, is – He puts it in there. The irony is we get to see the cool setup of all this stuff, right? Like Nick's pointing out. Yes. And the end result of him hiding these things and being able to use them. Yes. But let's think about the hundreds of hotels he stayed at previously. <laughs> How the many cleanup, ice machines? The cleanup this guy has to do after every visit. Like, I got to go get my guns out of the ice machine. Right. I got to take this. Like, yeah. He doesn't get to and jump out a window every time. <laughs> He's got to pack all that stuff every time. I'm only to bet he jumps out of the window on principle every well, time. Maybe just to leave the every... Check the ice machines at next hotel you're at. My my favorite <laughs> thing about two things. One, his little bomb in the room, it's indiscriminate. It explodes the whole room because oh, yeah. he leaps out as fireball shoots out. So if you were sleeping and someone tried to enter the room, you're killing yourself because you're asleep. It's That's not true. like a face <laughs> It's not a face towards enemy type landmine. It's a blow up of radius. So I was like, that's a silly device to have in your room. Maybe you should find something else. But then two, his suitcase is indestructible because the room explodes. And all of his stuff is in the suitcase. Yeah. Which he didn't seem to care if he left that behind, even though it has all these clues to his existence. Yeah. He needed to leave it behind because he needed Ah, the Interpol agent to take the key, to track him down, to release him so the CIA guy could intercept him at the end of this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a Rube Goldberg like, device. He's a Rube Goldberg yes. device. Agent 47 yes, is a Rube Goldberg device. It's absurd. He had to plan that I'm going to be double-crossed in St. <sighs> Petersburg so I have this key <laughs> that leads to a church where I know the final climactic thing will happen because I'm going to kill this guy's brother and they'll only bury him in that church. So that <laughs> it's just the- <laughs> All right. It's so good. Trying to find positives. Oh, I thought we already he- did that. That was no, no, a positive. No. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a positive. <laughs> I thought we did that already. That was like way back at the beginning. <laughs> oh, all right. I enjoy the scene where he decides to hook up with his CIA informant, how he lays it out so he can get the information but keep himself protected. He's hooked up with this Russian call girl who's under the thumb of the diplomat. So he sends her to the restaurant with, I guess, the the phone to talk to the CIA agent. And he's hiding up in the building across the street Mm. with a sniper rifle so he can Mm. keep an eye on him and has this conversation that way. That's smart. I thought that was pretty good. Except <laughs> during that scene, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. During that scene, he's he's talking to him like he can hear Timothy Oliphant, but she's reacting on cue as if she can hear that conversation. Now I know she has that's a speaker. I don't. Yeah, that's like it was if she was on speaker, but he wasn't on speaker. That's the funny part. Sure, he was. But like I know she's there to give that stuff. He but he should be like, oh, okay, now you're supposed to give me like a number or something. But she was like. Right there, every sentence he said, reacting. I was like, okay, but she can't hear anything. Yeah. You know what? That's the least of the things I'm going to complain about, so that one's fine. I'll I'll give that a pass. I won't. 
<laughs> That's where you draw the line. <laughs> it was that moment. It was that moment that, movie... that Wayne gave up on this yeah. movie. I love it. Wow. And if I'm going to find positives, because Timothy Oliphant can't help but show some charisma, sticking him with the, the Russian girl throughout, at least they have mm-hmm. fun scenes together. I would agree with that. It's inexplicable yes. why they've decided Agent 47 is going to be so incredibly sexually awkward. That's a little weird, but it creates some nice comedy. <laughs> and wonderful yes. things like when she's freaking out and he's like, don't be dramatic. Also, I brought you breakfast. He just finished locking her in a trunk for like the third time. <laughs> and she's yes. mad. He's like, don't be dramatic. Also, I brought you breakfast and throws a burrito at her. <laughs> but see, that's exactly what you're, what Mark's kind of talking about. Any any scene with the yes. two of them is where Timothy Oliphant's chemistry comes through. Yes. Or sorry, his, uh, yes. his charisma comes charisma. through because it's hard for him to play the stone cold loner. But as soon as yes. he's with somebody that's trying to get something out of him, <laughs> He starts to right. come through, and you're like, hey, they're entertaining, but... Well, because he yeah. has a sense He's of humor, boring. and it comes through, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's that's just it. It's just... The scene is supposed to be funny, and he's too funny in it. He should be the straight man, but he's funny in it. Right. Like, in the games, anytime Agent 47 is funny, it's almost like a dry British humor. It's like a comment on what's mm. going on kind of humor. But Timothy Oliphant's driving a good amount of the humor there with some of his quips, and it's not yes. a character I would think of yes. quipping. But no. at least it's fun to watch those scenes, and she's great. So yeah. at least I enjoy her. Yes. I don't know what she did before or after. I didn't really recognize her, but she's one of the high you points of the film. She, mm-hmm. She's she's a Bond girl. Oh, yeah. Quantum of Solace, Olga Karolinko, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. I wish she had yeah. a better Bond film, but, I mean... So do I. Quantum of Solace is still better than Hitman, so... <laughs> I guess she moved yes, up. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> My least favorite Daniel Craig Bond film is easily better than this movie. Oh, it's not even close, yeah. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yeah, that was another scene that made no sense to me. Because he pulls <laughs> he pulls her out of the trunk in front of people. <laughs> I know, yeah. And, and, they, and they just, they don't even immediately leave. He no. just sits there. For a while, she eats. They have a conversation. I think he says he's going to get some sleep. Like I don't know what happens. It's weird, man. So stupid. Yeah, it's a very weird movie for any of the relationship stuff. Like when she's slightly drunk and tries to like seduce him, I guess. And instead of saying Mm. no and pushing her away or saying yes, (laughs) he sticks her with a tranquilizer to get her off of him. That's a bit of an extreme reaction. You could have just said, no, I don't want to have sex with you. Instead, he tranks her to throw her off. What, was he afraid she'd overpower him? Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, maybe maybe thought he'd give in. Yeah. Uh, Very odd. (laughs) It is. Oh, my God. There's so many weird things about this movie. I, I don't know what to say. It is hard to watch. Most of the action scenes are really, really bad. Some of the train stuff is okay. And that's about the only Summer, action scenes yeah. I liked. And okay. yeah, I have like, I don't know, half a dozen things written down and then I gave up. So, Oof. so I got to talk about the ending for a sec. Oh, sure. Why not? So, it made no sense. got nothing else to talk about. Go ahead. <laughs> so he, he tracks down. He finally gets in front of the doppelganger. Gets him. Yep. Doppelganger is basically telling him, hey, 
listen, you're a contract killer. How about you I pay you not to kill me and we'll just square everything with your organization? Yep. Which seems to me to be a really, really reasonable proposal. He has no vested interest other than his reputation, it seems, of like, hey, I killed you. You made it seem like I didn't. People are after me because of you. You're the whole reason I'm being pursued by everyone, and you can undo that. That sounds good. He still decides to kill him, which is weird. But weirder for me okay. <laughs> is the Russian army deciding, send the attack helicopter to the roof. Oh where my he god, has I forgot about that. And indiscriminately open up fire. Yeah. Right. I counted dozens of shots that he had the hitman said, okay, I'll let you live. The Russian army would have killed that guy. Like, okay, so. Blew that guy to pieces. It looked like they were aiming at the diplomat's body double because they hit him so many times. (laughs) Yes, it did. And then. And then just fly away. Gunship just flies away. (laughs) Just flies away. Like, it doesn't stick around to make sure it got him. He never has to fight it. I thought it was going to be like a Metal Gear Solid man versus helicopter fight, and it just nopes on out of there. You know, they were filming on location. Somebody had a helicopter over there. The director ran over and said, I got 50 bucks. How long do I get the helicopter for? Well, we'll fly by the church. That's good. I forgot about that. You know what? That's (laughs) my favorite part of the movie in retrospect. Yes. Because it made zero sense, but at the same time, (laughs) it looks hilarious. And it makes no sense. The other ending, when he's telling the Interpol guy, he's like, This is the dead body. This is the guy you've been chasing. You're going to leave me alone. The Interpol guy's like, I can't go along with this. And he says, You kind of have to. But they don't really, they don't really kind of continue with that. I can't see why the Interpol Mm -hmm. guy would go for that. (laughs) Well, because he kind of gives the implication. If you don't go for this and you keep hunting me, I will murder you and your family. Yeah. It's, Otherwise, I just, does here, that seem your job's like done. What? I don't know. It's don't not know. great. That, I didn't think that worked. No. no. Now, what would have made it better? What would have made it better if he dropped that body in front of him and then Dougery Scott lit that body on fire and then used that to lay the smoke and ends the movie that way. I yeah. would have been all right with that. Like he says, I refuse to take this. Lights it on fire. Goes, I'm still coming for you and lights his smoke. Boom. Cut to credits. I would, have, I would have liked that. That would have been my positive. <laughs> That's, amazing. That's amazing. Oh, this movie yeah. sucked. I don't say that often. This movie sucked. It's a bad movie. It makes no sense. Don't no watch sense. this if you're looking for an example of video game movies where they've adapted the source material faithfully, where they're pulling any of the really cool stuff from the game, or if they're just making a good movie regardless of the game. This movie's bad. And as someone who's played yeah. the game, uh, I felt personally attacked by the things they chose to make bad. And I'll say this. I, I think they could have saved this movie had they picked a lane. Yeah. They were just go serious in or go two silly. lanes. Choose one. Go serious or go silly. Oh, my God. And I think, honestly, for me, the silly parts were more fun. So I almost wish it was all silly. And there's a lot of silly in it. So I think that's why the second time around when I kind of settled into, you know what? This movie's problem is this silly or fun. And it's a lot more silly. I started to have a lot more fun. Like, again, I was laughing hysterically when that helicopter started to blitz. (laughs) That last room. Oh, my God. Fact, like, that helicopter is way more effective at killing its hostage than it is at even coming near yeah. shooting him. <laughs> it's 
so ridiculous. Wayne, any final thoughts? Oh, God. No, I just want this to end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh, when we come back, maybe the problem is that some of us, myself in this case, are too close to the source material. So we're going to come back and watch something that's apparently based off of a video game, but I've never even heard of the game. Dead Trigger. Never heard of it. It's just a movie that happens to be based on something. Maybe the movie stands on its own. Maybe it's so good, it'll make us go play the game. We'll find out. I don't even know what genre it is, but I'm assuming it's at least action because it's got dead and trigger in it. But Can't wait. Once again, we thank Can't you wait. for joining us on Press X to Reload. I have been Nick Moore. With me, as always, were Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. We'll see you in the next one. I'm going to go light up that smoke now. That's a better ending. <laughs> You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenis, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review, we'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.